When I was a very, very small boy, my sister had a book, and it was called, I have a copy of it right here, The First Book of Favourite Fairy Tales. Now, this copy that I have isn't the one my sister had. Um, I managed to find it on a second-hand book site, and I ordered it, and when it came home, I came home one evening and went through the door and there was the book sitting in the lobby and I thought oh it's not the same book because it's far too small but then I realized when I opened it and discovered that it was the right book it wasn't that the book was too small it was that I was too big because when I remember it it seemed like a huge book but it was because I was very very little now why am I going on about this? Well, there was a story in it which I absolutely loved, and I would like to share it with you. It's called The Swan Princes, and it was originally written by Hans Christian Andersen. Now, there was once a king who lived in a faraway country, and he had eleven sons and one daughter. Now, the sons, they were older, so they were going to school. They had all the finest things you could imagine. They wore brooches on their chests. They had swords by their sides. And they wrote with diamond pencils on golden slates. And the little girl, she was at home, reading a book sitting on a crystal stool and reading a book that had cost half a kingdom to make. It was a huge book with a gold cover, and it had a lock with a golden key on a chain, so you could lock the book when you were finished with it. Now, they were very, very happy, but things were to change. You see, they didn't have a mother. Their mother had died, and the king remarried. And the woman that he married was not very nice. In fact, she was a bit of a witch. She dabbled in black magic. And she was evil of heart. Now, she sent the poor little girl, whose name was Elisa. She sent Eliza away to live with a woodcutter and his wife in a cottage way out in the country. Now, she didn't have all the nice things to play with that she used to when she lived in the castle, but still she didn't mind. The old couple were very kind to her, and she loved them, and she loved the flowers in the garden and all things that grew. Now the wicked queen back at the castle was trying to turn the king against his sons. She was coming out with stories about things that they were supposed to have done or said about him, until in the end the king was so under the influence of this old witch that he said that he didn't care what happened to his sons anymore. He didn't want them in the palace. And so the wicked queen said to them, "'Why don't you fly away?' Why don't you fly away like silent birds? And the eleven princes were turned into birds, although they weren't the birds that the queen had hoped they would be turned into, because they were beautiful white swans. 
and they flew away, and they did have a voice, and it was very sad and solemn. Away they flew, eleven white swans, and each one with a little golden crown on its head. Now, Eliza grew up to be a very, very beautiful young woman, and she was eventually taken back to the palace, but when the wicked witch queen saw her, she was furious, because this girl was so beautiful, and so she thought, huh, I will put a stop to that. So she got herself three toads, three very nasty, evil toads, and she said to the first toad, right, Eliza is going to have a bath, and I want you to sit on her head, because I want you to make her as stupid as you are. To the second toad, she said, and I want you to sit on her brow, and make her as ugly as you are. And to the third toad, she said, and I want you to sit on her heart, and make her horrible and spiteful and bad-tempered. Well, she popped the three toads into the bath, and as they went into the water, the water turned green. But when little Eliza came and stepped into the bath, she was so good and so pure and so kind, so pure of heart, that the evil spell had no effect on her, and the three toads were turned into red poppies. Now the wicked witch was furious about this, and what she did was she took oil made from crushed walnuts, and she smeared it on the girl's face, which turned her skin brown, so that it looked like she had been burnt by the sun. And then she used a special vile ointment, and she rubbed it on her face and her hair, and she became ugly. She looked like a peasant's girl. So no one recognized her, including the king, and the queen had her thrown out into the cold. Well, the poor girl walked and walked and walked, until eventually she came to a pool under an apple tree. And she looked into the pool, and she drew back with horror when she saw her own face, because the reflection that came back from that water, it didn't look like her at all. It looked terrible, ugly. So she started to wash her face, and she washed it and washed and washed, scrubbed away at her face, and it washed away all that evil, vile ointment. And she was back to being as beautiful as she ever was. And then she ate some of the apples that were on the tree, and she headed into the forest. She walked so long in the forest that it started to become darker and darker and darker, until in the middle of the forest it was as though it was night time itself. She met an old woman who was carrying a basket full of berries, and she asked the old woman, Have you seen any uh, princes riding this way, eleven princes? No, said the old woman, no, I, I haven't, but... There is a little river that runs through the forest here, 
and the other day I saw eleven swans swimming on it, and all of them had a golden crown upon their head. I'll show you where it is, she said. So she took Eliza down, and she showed her the river. Now Eliza followed the river, and the river came out of the forest, and it went down to the shore, and it flowed into the sea. And as Eliza sat on the shore, she saw eleven white swan feathers lying among the seaweed, and each one had a spot of water on it. She wasn't sure whether it was a dewdrop or whether it was a drop of tears. But she sat there and she looked out across the sea, the beautiful blue-green sea, and eventually the sea started to turn gold and red as the sun set below the horizon and reflected on the surface of the water. And then she heard the sound of wings, mighty wings approaching, and she looked up and there was eleven beautiful white swans, and each one with a golden crown on its head. They landed down on the shore, and when the sun set, they all became human again. They turned into her brothers. She was so happy. She hugged them and hugged them and hugged them, and they wept many tears. They were so joyful at seeing each other. Now, they said, they told her what had happened, how the stepmother had turned them into swans, and they could regain their human shape at night, but as soon as the sun rose, they would turn once more into swans. They also said that they had to fly far away from that land. They were going to another place altogether. And they said, We want you to come with us. Oh, yes, she says, yes, please let me come with you. Don't leave me here on my own again. Well, how could they do that? How could they take their sister through the air? She wasn't a swan. She couldn't fly. So the next night when they came back and became princes once more, they gathered lots of fine willow branches and rushes, and they wove them together to make a net. And this net had ropes attached to it. And in the morning, when they turned into swans, Eliza jumped into the net. And they all took a rope, and they flew up into the air with her. They flew so high that when she looked down and saw a sailing ship go past, it just looked like a gull swimming on the surface of the water. Now they were flying so high, and the sun was becoming so hot that it was blinding in her eyes, and it was burning her. And so one of the brothers kindly flew over her face, so that it shielded her from the rays of the sun, and she didn't get burned, and she didn't get blinded. And they flew on and on and on, a long, long way, until they came to a beautiful land of blue, misty mountains, and forests, and cities, and palaces. 
and there they landed. And they found a lovely dry cave, all surrounded with all kinds of green plants, and they made their home there in that cave. Now, the one thing that Eliza wished for more than anything else was to find a way to restore her brothers to the rightful shape, to lift the curse, to break the spell. Well, easier said than done, but she wished for that so much that that night when she fell asleep, a fairy came to her in her dreams and said, Eliza, there is a way to break the spell that is on your brothers if you have the courage to do it. What you must do is gather all the nettles that grow around the cave here, and as you pick the nettles they will sting your hands, and then you must tread on them to break them up, and that will burn and blister your feet. The pain will be bad, but when you trample the nettles you will be left with fine long fibres like flax, and you could spin that on a spinning wheel and make thread with it, and with that you can weave shirts, eleven long-sleeved shirts, one for each brother, and when they are finished you must throw them over your brothers and they will become human again. But while you are doing this, you must never, ever speak. You must never try to communicate with anyone, not speak, not writing anything down, nothing. If you speak, then your brothers will die. But if you succeed in making the eleven shirts, the spell will be broken and they will remain human. Well, when she woke up the next morning, she swore that she would do exactly what the fairy told her, and she started to pick the nettles, and they did sting her hands, and her hands were all red and blistered, and then she trod them with her feet, and her feet were all stung and blistered too. And then she took the fibres and she spun them into thread and she worked to weave shirts. By the end of the second day, she had finished the first shirt and she was very, very happy with that. Now, that night, there was suddenly the sound of horses and horns being blown and the barking of dogs. And the dogs came rushing towards her, and they all surrounded her. And then gallant knights on horseback came riding in, and at their head was the young king of the country where she was. He was young and handsome, and he saw Eliza, and she was so beautiful that he fell in love with her. Hello, he said gently, who are you? She couldn't speak. And so he said, You are the most lovely maiden. I want to take you home with me to the castle, and I will dress you in the finest clothes, in the finest silks, and you will wear diamonds and rubies and pearls. 
Well, she couldn't say a thing. And so the king had her brought to the palace, and he was as good as his word. He dressed her in the finest clothes, and once more she was dressed like the princess that she was. But she wasn't happy. The days went by, and the young king tried to make her smile, but there was a great sorrow on her. She never smiled. She never looked happy. There was often a tear in her eye. Now, one day, as everything else had failed, the gardens were not a delight to her, the castle wasn't a delight to her, the wonders that was contained within it, she didn't care about. And so, the one day, the young king took her by the hand, and he led her to a small chamber that was next to her own bedroom, and he opened the door, and there, oh, she was so happy, because he had made it like the inside of her cave where she lived. They had pinned green cloth over the walls, but on the floor there was all the flax that she had woven, and hanging up was the one shirt that she had made. That made her happy. So that night she set to work, and she started to spin and to weave another shirt, and that was finished and hung up and a third was, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth. And when the seventh was finished and hanging up, she still had four more to make, but she'd run out of nettles. Now she knew that there was a graveyard nearby, and she knew that there was nettles growing in there, which were the same as the ones that were growing around the cave. But she couldn't go out and gather these nettles. She couldn't do that when the king was around, so she waited until night time. And she sneaked out under the cover of darkness, and she went down to the graveyard, and she picked her nettles. And she carried them back, and she had them trampled, and she had them spun, and she had them woven, and she had made ten shirts. But the thing was, she had been seen. The archbishop, who also lived in the castle, had seen her slipping out at night, and he had told the young king. Now by this time the two of them were married, but of course she still couldn't speak, couldn't say a thing. Now the archbishop saw what she was doing, and he thought that this must be witchcraft. She must have cast a spell over the king, and she told the king to come with him and see what his wife was doing at night. And they went down, and they saw her sneak out the castle, and they saw her going to the graveyard and picking the nettles. Witchcraft, said the archbishop. She means to do you some harm. I think she is a witch, and you know what they do with witches. They burn them at the stake. She must be burnt. Well, the young king was heartbroken, but he was also young and foolish, because he agreed with the archbishop. And so, the next day, poor Eliza was taken from her room, 
They took away all her fine clothes and all her jewellery, and they left her just in rags. <clears throat> and instead of having soft feather beds and silk sheets, she was cast into a dungeon. But there on the floor was lying the last of the nettles and the last of the flax that she had woven. And hanging above was the ten shirts. And that made her smile. And she set to work making that eleventh shirt. Now at night the mice in the dungeon tried to help her. They felt sorry for her. And they pulled the nettles towards her so that she could help, help her to work. And there was a thrush that stood in the window of her cell and sang beautifully to her as well to lift her spirits. She worked and she worked all that night and she made a shirt with one sleeve. But the second sleeve was missing still. Now the next morning she was taken and put into a cart and paraded through the streets and they threw her shirts in after her as well and a stake had been prepared with a lot of wood around it to burn her. Now as she went through the streets, people were shouting, Oh, the witch! Look at her! She is not saying her prayer. She's mumbling away to herself, and she was still working on that last shirt. It's witchcraft! Pull it from her, they said, and the crowd surged towards the cart to pull away the shirt and tear it up. But suddenly... There was a beating of wings, and down flew eleven beautiful swans with crowns on their heads, and they surrounded the cart, and they drove the people back. And then, before the executioner came to take her away, she took all the shirts and she threw them over her brothers, and each one turned into their human form again as soon as the shirt was over them. Now they were all turned back into princes once more, all whole and complete, except for one, the youngest brother, because she didn't have time to finish that last sleeve, and so for the rest of his days he had a wing instead of an arm. Now she was so relieved with us that she could speak at last, and she said, I am innocent, I am innocent of the charges brought against me. And she fainted into the arms of her brother. Well, they turned on the king and they said, You are a fool. She is as innocent as she is beautiful. And they told the whole story of what had happened to them, how they had been enchanted by their wicked stepmother and turned into swans, and how she, through her courage and bravery, she had broken the spell that was on them. And the king, if he loved her before, he loved her more now. And all the church bells rang, and all the birds in the air sang, and all the people cheered, and there was a fine procession made back to the castle. But before they left, they noticed something. The smell in the air, a beautiful perfume. And when they turned around, they saw that the stake that she was to be burnt at 
was completely covered in beautiful, deep red roses, and on top of the stake grew the most exquisite white rose. And the young king picked it, and he gave it to his wife, and the two of them smiled. And they smiled for many, many years after that.